Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So today, I want to just jump right into this last part, part four. Again, please go listen to part one, two, and three so that you'll get the fullness of the foundation of this message. This weekend, we're wrapping this up. And the question I have for you is this. In discovering our purpose, the question arises, what really matters to God? What matters to Him? And I want you to hear this statement. I want you to hear it clearly. Our divine purpose can never be separated from God's heart. If we think that we're walking in His purpose, but it doesn't originate in the heart of God, and it doesn't produce godly results, we're not walking in His purpose. You and I, our life needs to be not only based on and rooted in the love of God, but it also needs to, be, it needs to originate with the heart of the Father, and it needs to produce what the Father would produce. You say, well, that's kind of hard because he's God. Well, yeah, it, it is kind of hard if, if that's all we had to go on. But the fact of the matter is, uh, God the Father came to earth in the form of Jesus, his son. And so whatever you see Jesus do in the Gospels is what the Father would do if he were here. You say, well, that doesn't really help me that much. No, it does. Because you see, if you understand and realize and really grab a hold of this central truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus is God, yes? Jesus was God, yes? Jesus will always be God, yes? But when he was on the earth, he did not operate as God. Jesus on the earth operated as a human being filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. Every believer on the earth today, everyone that's ever existed, everyone that ever will exist, is a human being, mortal flesh and blood and bone individual. However, when that person becomes born again, when that person receives Christ, it's the spirit of the living God that comes to live on the inside of that human being. And they are no longer limited to humanity. We can then accomplish the things that Jesus did on this earth. You remember in the Gospel of John, it's recorded for us, I believe it's in chapter 12. He said this to his disciples, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, they shall do also. And he's saying greater works he'll do because I go to my Father. Now, it wasn't greater in quality. It was greater in quantity because he's going back. He went back to heaven, went back to seated at the right hand of the Father. And so now it's the church, his body, the believers on the earth that are now authorized to do everything Jesus did except one thing. And that's go to the cross and die for mankind. Other than that, he's given all of his authority unto us. You remember Matthew chapter 28, the very last chapter, some of the very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and speaks to us before he leaves this earth. He said, all authority has been given unto me. Go therefore. Go therefore. He, get, he has the authority, but because you and I are in him, we are Christ's representatives here on the earth. Paul picks up on that idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and calls us ambassadors. So you and I can do the works of Christ on the earth. You and I can preach the gospel. You and I can set the captives free. You and I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You and I can see others get filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I can do everything that Jesus did on this earth short of dying for mankind. Why? Because we've been authorized to. He gave that power to his disciples. 
Think about this. Most of what the disciples did, miraculously, they did it before they were even born again. Chew on that one for a while. They weren't even born again. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them, yet they were going around doing things that Jesus did. How much more we who have experienced this new birth, being filled with the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, our divine purpose, if we are really walking in purpose, then it's going to originate in the heart of the Father. It's going to come forth from Him. It's not going to be your idea. It's going to be His idea. Amen? Amen? So, bottom line is this, what we're talking about today and what we're going to wrap up this series with. What matters to God? Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz, puts it this way. What matters to God is what matters. That's it, bottom line. If it's important to him, it's important to us. And we need to settle that. Yeah, can I just be honest with you? And you know, this is going to be kind of one of those, you know. Um, when we are willing to involve ourselves in something that did not originate in the heart of the Father, that is not going to produce godly results, if we're, going to, if we're going to insist on going our own way, the Bible has a word for that. It's called rebellion. Yeah, well, did you have to put it that way, Pastor? Well, yeah, kind of, because that's how the Bible puts it. And if it's important to God, it's important to me. Uh, you want to know why? I like my job. <laughs> so it's important that you and I discover what God desires for our life, what he desires for us to produce, and then do everything possible that we can to cooperate with him. Now, you see, the good thing about it is once you sell out to God, once you submit to him, his power, his grace enables you to follow through on that. You're not doing it on your own. In fact, if, if, you, if your life is being lived, like if you feel like I can only compare it to this, you know, years and years and years ago, I had a boat and found out that's probably one of the worst investments you can make. <laughs> and, and you know, I would take it out in the bay and stuff and you know, I'm talking like over 32 years ago. And um, uh, I think Barnegat Bay was still there. And um, <laughs> what I would do is go along and just everything seemed like it was going good and then all of a sudden you hit a sandbar. Because I didn't know what those poles were in the middle of the water. <laughs> I didn't know you're supposed to stay on a certain side of those things. And it's like, I'm, hey, I'm just wild and free here. I'm just, and so th things would seem like they're going good and maybe your life seems like, like it's going good and all of a sudden it's like you hit a snag. And it, and, and it gets frustrating. And it gets like, you know, man, I thought everything was going good. You're probably not really 100% in God's purpose. That doesn't mean if you're in God's purpose, everything goes smooth. But when you hit a snag, his grace is sufficient for you. It won't cause frustration. In fact, there's more of an empowerment to overcome that sandbar, to overcome that snag. And so we're finding out today, and we're going to wrap this up again, like I said, it matters that we trust him. It matters that we obey him. It matters that we have his interest in heart. It matters that we love others as we love ourselves. Uh, that one always goes over real big. I'll say it again. Try not, I'll try not to let it hurt. Try not to let it hurt. It matters to God that we love others as we love ourselves. In fact, when you really get into the New Testament letters from the apostles, we find out that he kind of ups the ante. The Holy Spirit kind of ups it a little bit. And we're actually supposed to love others more than ourselves. We're supposed to prefer our brothers and sisters more than ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying that's what matters to God. Amen. And I'm not saying it, it doesn't come natural to us. It's not comfortable. But we've been given a new nature. And that nature resides in your spirit. If you're born again, if you've received Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, 
You have received a new nature, but you see it's in seed form. It comes in in seed form, and it affects your spirit. Because, you know, we are tripart in nature just like our Father is. Our Father God exists as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yes? Well, he created us in his image and his likeness, so there should be some tripart nature about us also. If that's true, we know it is. You see, you are a spirit. The real person who you are is not this thing that you see in the mirror. Thank God. But it's the spirit on the inside. See, we are spirit. We possess a soul. That's our mind, our will, our emotions. And those two are encased in this body because we need to get around on the earth. So when you were born again, it was your spirit that was affected. Your spirit came alive instantaneously onto Christ and is united with the Father by the Holy Spirit. But your soul is kind of like in the middle between your body, which always wants to do everything wrong, and, and your spirit, which always wants to do everything that the Father wants. And so you see, when our soul is affected a lot by our spirit, then we'll lean in that direction. When our soul when we expose it to the wrong things through sight, through hearing, through taste, through touch, then we end up leaning in the wrong direction and our body ends up pulling us in the wrong direction. And so I said all that to say this, you and I have received a new nature in seed form. And I, I want to explain to you from Galatians chapter five how that plays into this. You see, because we've received a new nature, that nature reflects the Father in heaven. Galatians 5.13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. No, just because you're forgiven, just because you're going to heaven, doesn't mean that you can just do anything you want with your life. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? Serve one another. How? In love. Verse 14, for the whole law, the entire law, in other words, all of the Old Testament, all the Ten Commandments can be summed up in this one command. Would you read it together with me out loud, real nice and loud? Love your neighbor as yourself. So what matters to God is that we put the needs of others before our own. And that requires us being compassionate. Do you remember that word, compassion? Do you remember that word? Do you remember when it was popular to be compassionate? It seems like our society today has totally abandoned the concept of compassion. We take every possible opportunity to destroy one another, every possible opportunity to demean, every possible opportunity to criticize and condemn. And my God, it's bad enough that it happens outside in the world where they don't know God, but my God, when it happens within the church, when Christians use every opportunity to destroy one another, when Christians use every opportunity to, 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 to criticize people that don't, don't know the right hand from the left hand. That's wrong. There needs to be compassion. We need to operate in compassion. This is one of the main attributes of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, is compassion. Matthew chapter 14, we pick up in the middle of a story here. You remember John the Baptist? How many of you remember John the Baptist? Okay. Uh, John the Baptist's mission was to, to kind of lay the foundation and prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah, and he did that very well. And at one point, he confronted one of the kings there and kind of got in his face and, and, and pointed out his sin, and, and the king wasn't happy about that. And so the king arranges for John the Baptist to be arrested and, and put into prison, and then he is tricked 
by members of his own family to, to have John the Baptist executed. Uh, this king, did not, that wasn't his desire. He just wanted to imprison him and hopefully thinking he'd change his, his tone of voice and things of this nature and tone of attitude and, and stop being so condemning of his sin, which he needed to be condemned for. But uh, at one point in time, he's tricked into having John the Baptist beheaded. And we pick up here in, John, in excuse me, Matthew chapter 14, verse 10. So John was beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother, the person that tricked uh, the king into having John the Baptist beheaded. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what happened. And let's see what Jesus' response is here to this disaster, this tragedy. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Natural response. Why? Jesus is not operating as God on the earth. He's operating as a man. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have compassion. He is a compassionate God. But here's Jesus. He's a human on the earth. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but he's a human. 100% man, 100% God. I, I can't figure it out. Maybe if you can, tell me. But the Bible tells us that this is the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the earth here, he's susceptible to the same type of emotions that we are. And so after hearing of this tragedy, what does he want to do? Same thing you and I would want to do. I just want to be alone. I want to, I want to just process through this. I want to be able to, to express my sorrow, to express my sadness. Because remember, Jesus knows that was not God's plan for John the Baptist. That was the devil's plan for John the Baptist. And every once in a while, the devil's plan kind of succeeds. Doesn't mean it was God's will. So, what happens now? He gets in a boat and he's going to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. How many of you experienced people just being the most selfish at the time when you need your own time for yourself? I don't even want to go any further than that. <laughs> so the crowds hear where he's going, and they, on foot from many towns, go to the place where Jesus is going to land. And so Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had what? Compassion on them. Now look what that compassion did, and look what that compassion fueled. He had compassion on them and did what? Healed their sick. Come on. Jesus is human. We know that he's capable of mourning and we know that he's capable of being upset because we saw what happened at Lazarus' tomb. He's standing in front of Lazarus' tomb and he's overwhelmed with emotion. In the Bible, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, uh, and Jesus wept. You know, if we look at an original language, it seems to indicate more of an uncontrollable sobbing. So we know that Jesus is capable of being upset like this. He's capable of mourning. He's capable of experiencing sorrow. Yet here, he's not allowed to. And so he's just found out that his cousin is dead. And John the Baptist is not that much older than Jesus. It's, they're still young. And it's not like John the Baptist is 110 years old and he's lived his life out and it's just time for him to go home to be with the Lord. Uh, no, he's died a very violent, very tragic death. He's beheaded. That had to make an impact on Jesus' heart. And so all he wants to do is just be alone. But what happens? These people show up. And Jesus knows what matters to the heart of the Father. And what matters to the heart of the Father back then still matters to the heart of the Father today. 
And there are times when you and I have got to put ourselves aside and allow the compassion of God to rise up on the inside of us because that compassion fuels the power of the Holy Spirit to operate through you to meet the needs of someone else. I wish I could tell you that I've been perfect in this area, haven't. There's been times when there's been needs and I've heard myself say, I got my own stuff going on right now. Human just like you. But my point is this, when we do allow ourselves to yield to the Holy Spirit, when we do allow ourselves to lean in that direction and let God use us, the power that comes, the enabling that comes, the ability that comes to be able to meet the needs of individuals starts with that decision. Am I gonna put my needs first or am I gonna put the needs of the individuals first? And thank God that Jesus put our needs first, amen? But my, my question to you is this. See, it was a compassion that rose up and fueled him, his ability to be able to meet the needs of that individual, or those individuals, I should say, those multitudes. Can I ask you a question? What's your compassion level like? What's your compassion level like? Do you find yourself like me from time to time in the past? I've found myself saying, hey, I got my own stuff going on right now. You see, there is a force that if we allow it, pushes us to act beyond our own interests. Jesus said this, I only do what I see my father do. Jesus did what matters to God. Not just when it was convenient, but whenever it was needed. And he's our example. What matters to God is that in discovering and fulfilling our purpose, we develop a servant's heart. Servant's heart the heart of an individual who will put others' needs first. Church, if I could tell you this, I'll tell you this from personal experience. Find ways to serve others. See, this is the best way for you to develop a heart of the servant. See, it's much easier to develop a heart of the servant. It's much easier to serve someone or to put their needs first when you're already serving them, when you're already serving individuals, when you're already involved in some type of action that requires you to put time aside, energy aside, put finances aside, do something to help someone else and to put their needs first. I, I want to address certain groups of individuals that I'm sure are represented here. If you serve in the medical profession and you've had to work holidays, have had to skip lunch and dinner breaks, have had to clean up other people's mess, we salute you. If you care for family members, or even more so, if you care for a non-family member, and, and, and you're having to put yourself and your needs aside so that person could have maybe the best days of their, their lives, we salute you. If, if you're here today and you serve maybe in the children's department, or maybe you're an usher or a greeter, or you serve in some capacity here in this church, and you've had to do it with a smile even though you're dead tired, and you've had to do it maybe in pain physically or emotionally, uh, maybe uh, the next shift didn't show up for your class or your usher's position, and so you put aside your desire to want to do something after service 
and you stayed and served in that next position, that service, we salute you. What matters to God is that we developed a heart of a servant and an attitude of a servant. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you and I can work up on our own. When we try to work it up on our own, it's usually from the wrong motive. It's self-serving. But when it comes that we know that God is requiring us to step into a place, a position, and, and be his grace to someone else, that's when we're developing the heart of a servant and that's a work of the Holy Spirit. So if we'll yield to the Holy Spirit, if we'll, if we'll allow him to pull us into these areas, we'll find out one day we turn around and go, wow, I, this is actually a blessing to be able to meet the needs of individuals who maybe have not yet experienced the love of God. You see, um, Jesus intended to teach this lesson to his disciples um, at the Last Supper. If you remember this, it's recorded for us in John chapter 13. Jesus, I want you to pay attention to this phrase here. I want you to take this phrase and put it on, put it on the shelf because it's going to play an important part here. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God Next verse, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had wrapped around him. After washing, skip down to verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now watch this now. Isn't it interesting that this, this, this event starts off with a statement that Jesus, verse 3, knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return from God. How does that connect? What John is saying here is recording what Jesus said, that serving like a slave doesn't take away from your purpose. In fact, it enhances your purpose and validates your purpose. Jesus is saying this, look, I know who I am. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm returning. And that me washing the feet of the disciples doesn't take away from that. And I think that's something that subconsciously stops some of us from wanting to serve, especially in areas where we don't get any credit, especially in areas where it's messy, especially areas where it really requires a lot of your energy, whether physically or emotionally or financially. And we back off because we think, well, I shouldn't have to do that. I mean, you know. And sometimes people, now, now I've been in the, in the church for 32 years. And in those 32 years, I've heard people say things like this. Well, you know, I paid my dues in the early years. <laughs> oh, well, excuse me. I didn't realize we were unionized. <laughs> what are they saying? Well, you know, I've come too far to clean bathrooms. Well, that's pretty good, because I haven't. Uh, I come too far to be, you know, with little kids and, and cleaning spit up and changing diapers. Oh my gosh. What's happened to your heart? Well, you know, Pastor, it's time for some of the new people to serve. Yeah, that's true. But maybe, maybe that new person needs to sit and have their wounds healed and have their heart 
massaged. What's happened to our heart? What matters to God is that you and I develop the heart of the servant. There's no expiration date on that. It doesn't mean we develop the heart of the servant early in our relationship with God and then we get to the point where, you know, I've arrived now. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And yet he takes time. At one of the most inconvenient times of his life, he takes the time to take the place of a slave. Now listen to me. The person, slave, the servant that washed the feet of others was considered the lowest of slaves in anyone's household. We're talking about filthy, dirty feet that walked on ground where sheep have passed, where horses have passed, and you know, they leave deposits behind. We're not talking about today, you're wearing all your nice shoes and socks and things of that nature. And so the person that was assigned to that duty was considered the lowest of the slaves. And Jesus, the Son of God, who left his majesty in heaven, his divine nature, put that aside to come here to set the example. And you know, we want to point about everything else out in the word of God. It's important that I do this and I point to that. And God keeps bringing us back and saying, no, it's important that you develop a servant's heart. Because you see, if you have a servant's heart, you will always treat others better than yourself. No matter how you succeed, no matter how much you succeed, no matter what you succeed in, when you have a servant's heart, your motive of the heart will always be right. No matter what you do, no matter what you produce, it'll always come from the heart of, I'm doing this to make somebody's life better, not to exploit them. Amen. Amen. Finally, Jesus made it very clear. What matters to God is that we hold God, the Father, in the highest place of honor by loving him above all else. Jesus was once asked which commandment of the law was the greatest, and he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second commandment is just as great. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, the words of Jesus. What matters to God is really, really simple. He wants our complete devotion to him. He wants our heart. He wants our passion. He wants our relationship with him to be an intimate relationship, not a cold, far off, once in a while when I need you relationship. He wants to be first in our lives. And all of our service, everything we ever do in our purpose must flow from these two commands, to love God and to love others. Everything is fulfilled in these two commandments. Our purpose, church, is to serve him. Nothing else satisfies, nothing else lasts forever. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.